Culture is probably the most important thing when it comes to reducing risk in an organization. I mean, we've heard the old adage, culture trumps compliance. And one of the things we've seen in our research is that that's actually really true. Welcome to the Rain Insights Podcast. On today's episode, a conversation about business culture, ethics, and effective compliance programs. Our host is Greg Radner, Chief Marketing Officer at Rain, and our guest is Dr. Patricia Harnett, Chief Executive Officer of the Ethics and Compliance Initiative, America's oldest nonprofit in the ethics and compliance industry. Let's listen. Welcome, Pat, to uh, today's Rain podcast. Pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Let's start off with a little background. If you could give our audience a little information about ECI and its mission, uh, I think that would kick us off nicely. Sure thing. The Ethics and Compliance Initiative, or ECI, is the oldest nonprofit in the United States that is dedicated to helping organizations build and sustain high-quality ethics and compliance programs. Um, Our work involves a couple of different areas. First, we um, do a lot of research to try to understand what are the things that reduce noncompliance risk and build integrity in companies. Um, we also do advisory service work with individual organizations wanting to improve their own workplaces. And we also have a membership base of ethics and compliance professionals. Uh, that's a great overview, Pat. Thank you. Um, and there's lots of talk about ethics and culture, its importance. Why, why are ethics and culture important? for understanding and mitigating organizational risk. I know you guys do a lot of research in that area. Culture is probably the most important thing when it comes to reducing risk in an organization. I mean, we've heard the old adage, culture trumps compliance. And one of the things we've seen in our research is that that's actually really true. Um, When an organization has a strong ethical culture where standards matter, values matter, we see a 467% increase in the likelihood that employees are going to observe the rules, um, they're going to report suspected wrongdoing. Um, it's kind of the opposite of, you know, non-compliant. It basically reduces non-compliance risk substantially. Maybe it would help our audience just to maybe talk about some examples, if you could, um, of you know ethics and culture and action, maybe some examples of, of uh, companies that you've worked with. I think that one of the things probably most organizations have um, had instances where there was some kind of wrongdoing happening, and the big question for companies is always, are employees going to come forward and tell us when problems are taking place. And it might actually be easier to provide you examples of culture gone wrong. You know, certainly examples like Wells Fargo, where incentives were encouraging employees to cut corners and to break the rules. And yet it went on for a very long time because employees were afraid to come forward and tell management about what was happening or even, you know, name a scandal. And almost always in the the aftermath, we learned that there was a culture where employees were afraid to come forward, where they had bad news to share, and they just didn't do it. Yeah, it's unfortunate that you only hear about the bad uh, examples, right? When (laughs) when something goes wrong, when when you're doing a good job, then that's a good sign when nothing nothing is in the newspaper or on TV, right? Right, Um, exactly. 
Well, I know you guys just released not too long ago um, results of a survey you did, the Global Business Ethics Survey on the state of ethics and compliance in the workplace. I'd love to dive into some of the results, some of the trends that, that came out of that study, if you can take us through some of that. Sure, absolutely. Over the years, we've been doing this study since 1994. Um, and so one of the, the nice things about it is that it's, I think, the arguably the only longitudinal study of ethics from the employee's perspective. And over time, we've learned that there are five key metrics that should change for the better if companies are doing a good job when it comes to their ethics and compliance and arguably even their risk management practices. The first is whether employees say that they feel pressure to compromise standards in order to do their jobs, not just performance pressure, but do they have to cut the rules to be able to succeed in their jobs? And we didn't have good news this time when we looked at that metric because there was a 47% increase over the last time that we measured that within organizations around the world. Um, more people say they have to break the rules to succeed. Another metric is whether employees actually see wrongdoing taking place in their organization. Um, it didn't rise exponentially, but it is trending upward, which is concerning. Um, so there was a 33% increase globally in the percentage of employees who say, I observe something going wrong. In the U.S. alone, half of all employees um, said that they witnessed some kind of wrongdoing in the last year. Um, and, and, of course, we know that misconduct is going to happen. Show me a business, I'll show you misconduct somewhere in an organization. And as I was saying, the biggest concern business leaders have is whether employees will come forward and report. And there was actually good news on that front. Um, in the U.S., 86% of people who observed some kind of wrongdoing reported it somehow within their organization, which is great. And that was also a significant increase over the last time we looked at that metric. But with that, there was also some bad news in that um, more employees, exponentially more employees who came forward to report wrongdoing experienced retaliation for having done so. So almost 80% of employees who came forward to report misconduct, experience some kind of harm for having done so. Um, and then the last metric we look at is culture strength. Uh, as we were just saying, culture makes a huge difference. We look to see around the world are more employees saying they're working in strong ethical cultures. And we didn't see it drop, but we also didn't see it rise. So only about one in five employees around the world told us that they work in a company that has a strong culture, and that is discouraging. So those were the five key metrics we looked at. Yeah, I think that's really insightful. And I guess there's some little bit of good news, but some not so good news in there, too. I think we'll touch on a little bit sort of the environment under the pandemic and how that has an impact of it. But maybe just talk a little bit about, because that's a global survey, maybe if you can cover some of the differences that you guys uncovered between the U.S. and kind of the rest of the world uh, as it relates to the, the results of the survey? Sure. There are, of course, always differences. Part of um, when we do these studies, we started it in the U.S. We're a U.S.-based nonprofit. 
um, until 2016, all these years we've been doing it, it was a U.S. only survey. So the greatest amount of data we have is from the U.S. And fortunately, we're catching up on with respect to other countries. And it does remain the case that some of the big changes, the big shifts we see tend to be more pronounced in the U.S. than they are in other countries around the world. But one of the things that we've also seen is that certain countries tend to be outliers. Brazil, Russia, India, China may not come as a surprise to a lot of folks who are looking at, you know, just different risk areas in their companies. But those are countries where um, we saw either higher levels of reporting, higher levels of retaliation, lower levels of misconduct. Um, and there were, of course, some other outliers, France, for example, and had um, noticeably lower levels of reporting. Um, it's always hard to know from these studies what those shifts actually mean, but we do know that a big factor in country differences has to do with both regulation, the introduction of regulation, the growth of ethics and compliance programs, um, but also understanding of um, employees and their relationship to authorities within a company. So the more bureaucratic uh, companies tend to be in a country, the more power is at the top, the less you see reporting in those contexts. I mean, one of the things that is common across the globe in this past year was really the impact of the pandemic. Um, and, uh, and and probably an impact on ethics and culture. I know uh, our company was, has been fully remote, it still is, and trying to maintain some semblance of culture while everybody's working from home is hard. And that's on, on my uh, list of to-dos uh, as the head of uh, marketing for, for our organization. Um, and so I'll, maybe you can talk a little bit about the impact uh, of the pandemic and remote work on ethics and culture uh, over the last year, which I know is reflected in your in your survey because it was taken like smack dab in the middle of it. So maybe you can comment on that. That's right. We actually were scheduled to field the survey a lot earlier in the year, but um, about the time we were going to go into the field, that was right as the shutdown was starting to take place. And so we thought that it would be best to just wait to see what it kind of gave us a golden opportunity to look to see how much of a difference does this pandemic make in people's responses? And we also asked a lot of questions about the influence of COVID. And we learned a great deal. So first of all, and, and I think as people reflect on their own experiences, a lot of it isn't surprising, and yet we're able to put some numbers around it. Um, so 57% of people told us that they have very different interactions with their colleagues, with their supervisors, because they are operating in a remote environment. Um, that was also generally true globally. That's not just a U.S. average. About 50% of people said that they had a significant change in their work status, whether that happened to be reduction of hours, changes of hours, shifts in pay, um, some kind of alteration in how they had been working prior to the pandemic. But I think the biggest change we saw 
was the extent to which employees told us that they're feeling more pressure, work-related pressure on a daily basis. So 44% of people said they feel more pressure or felt more pressure during this remote environment than they ever did before. And it wasn't all just meeting performance goals. Almost half of all people said they feel pressure to show value to their employers because they're working remotely, it's not as evident to their supervisors. Those are all things that um, I think have dramatically changed the way people are relating to their company, the way they're experiencing culture. Um, and, And it may well be that because of the timing of the survey, we didn't see huge changes in levels of misconduct, but if we were to field the survey again, probably now, we might see bigger changes. Yeah, interesting. It's a little delayed reaction, I guess, or response. But I would think that one of the challenges, too, is oversight, compliance oversight in remote environment. We've heard a lot of that uh, from our clients, too, just how difficult it is to maintain compliance oversight with a remote workforce, whether that be cyber compliance or, or just general compliance. You see that coming out of the survey as well. Absolutely. We we have seen for a lot of years in this research that um, a great deal of employees' behavior is linked to their relationship with their immediate supervisor and the tone they hear coming from the top of the organization. But just using reporting as an example, generally speaking, when employees have something to report, only about 5% of them will go to a helpline, hotline, anonymous reporting line to report it. The vast majority will go to their immediate supervisor first. And that has shifted during the pandemic because I think it's more difficult to access your supervisor. It's one thing when you catch them in the office or in you know, somewhere out in operations because you're interacting one-to-one very different in a remote environment. Um, And so those are all the kinds of things that I know from our conversations with compliance professionals, a big challenge to remind employees they need to come forward, or even things like, how do you conduct investigations effectively when they're virtual? (laughs) Those were all shifts that had to take place because of COVID. Yeah, for sure. And we see it every day, right? Where you used to be able to, you know, walk over to the next office or shut down the hallway about something and walk over to someone. Um, now you got to schedule a Zoom call with them, you know, <laughs> and uh, it's just a little different. It makes it an informal conversation a little bit more formal, too. Um, so interesting findings. Well, there's a lot in that report. Maybe we can just pause here. Maybe you can summarize kind of what the numbers are telling you just about the current state of ethics and compliance globally. Um, If you were able to summarize it in a couple of sentences. The big takeaway for us um, was certainly, not surprisingly, COVID has made a difference in cultures and in employees' perceptions. But more importantly, what concerns us is that when employees um, experience great transition in their workplace, and we have all experienced great transition in the last year, year and a half, those kinds of transitions coupled with high levels of pressure 
tend to result in more misconduct in an organization. And the mitigating factor for misconduct is culture. So to put it all together, we're seeing more people feeling pressure, more transition, and we're not done with transition yet. We're likely to have more misconduct. And because companies aren't more companies are not building strong cultures. Four out of five employees are working in organizations where there's room for growth. Our big takeaway was we expect that these metrics are going to change and not for the better. So companies need to double down on their their risk management systems, their ethics and compliance programs, and especially their efforts to try to address and strengthen their cultures. Yeah, that's great insights. And and you've touched on a little bit around where you think things are going in this sector around ethics and compliance. And we were seeing a lot of companies during this time frame cutting back, you know, production slowdowns or and uh, not and putting people on furloughs. Some of that is coming back as the economy opens up again. But if you had your crystal ball out and, you know, what do you think the future holds for Uh, ethics and compliance going forward? I think a couple of things are going to be great challenges when it comes to the ethics and compliance profession. Um, One is continuing to tackle this new enigma we have of remote work environment. We know a lot of companies are going back, which is great to see to their operations. But the, the term hybrid, you know, home and work uh, relationship, that whole work status, I think is going to continue. And so the steps we took before to shift to an, a remote environment, we're going to have to relearn how do we do both now? Um, so that's a big challenge. But I also think, and this is not something that we looked at in this version of the Global Business Ethics Survey, but we will in upcoming ones, is this new lens that's um, being applied to business from an ESG perspective. And we know a lot of it isn't actually all that new, but the term is sort of more emerging for businesses. I think from an ethics and compliance um, standpoint, that is going to be an additional layer to all of the things that we're having to do. So uh, we're in the same boat and kind of hybrid approach. The company and organization uh, wants to make change, wants to go about, you know, sort of strengthening its culture, strengthening its, uh, its ethics uh, compliance area. W- how do they go about doing that? What are some of the things that they could could look to do? So I think there are a couple of things that um, we, we've seen in the research, we've seen in best practice. We know from companies that have really spent a lot of time focusing on their cultures. There are a number of things. Um, first and foremost, there are some behaviors that leadership and immediate supervisors can engage in that make a big difference. So, for example, talking about the importance of ethics and compliance, sharing information about what's going on in the organization, um, keeping promises and commitments when with employees, or at least explaining why you can't if you can't as a leader, um, setting uh, being a good role model, setting expectations. Those are all leadership and manager behaviors, 
And even better if an organization puts those into performance goals and, you know, performance review processes. But the other big piece is making sure that the organization holds employees accountable when they overstep either the code of conduct, the values of the organization, or the law. The, you can't have good leadership behavior and no accountability or strong accountability, but leaders who are not good role models. If you don't have both, you're going to have a culture that's still struggling. And uh, this gives you a little bit of opportunity to kind of talk about ethics and compliance initiative a little bit more on what resources does ECI have for organizations that are looking to improve in this area? One of the things that our organization has been putting a great deal of time into is what we call the High Quality Ethics and Compliance Program Framework. Um, And with it, there is an assessment tool that um, organizations can make use of. And it it started as an effort really to try to, to define and put some practices around what does it actually look like when an organization gets it right, when they have a high-quality program in place. Um, Since 2015, that effort has been underway. We've had ongoing groups, working groups of ethics and compliance practitioners refining that framework, developing a maturity model, and we now have an assessment tool that an organization can use to ask both ethics and compliance practitioners, but also leaders across an organization to gauge, are we actually investing in the practices that that the ethics and compliance profession have identified as truly best practice when it comes to having a high quality program? So that's a big piece of what um, ECI provides, especially for organizations that are either looking to get started with ethics and compliance or just trying to gauge where are we and how do we compare to industry peers. That's great. Um, If someone in the audience today just wants to find out more information about ECI and and what you guys do, what's the best resource to direct them to? Our our website is nice and simple. The URL is easy to remember. It's www.ethics.org. And you can find a wealth of information there, both about our HQP framework, our advisory services, research we've done, um, our membership organization. We'd love to have people just check that out and contact us if you have any questions. Well, Pat, great uh, information for our audience. Thank you for joining today. I learned a lot myself, and um, I'm a little worried about some of the things that might be coming down the pipe, but uh, hopefully companies can get out in front of that with some of the resources that you suggested. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Dr. Patricia Harnett is Chief Executive Officer at the Ethics and Compliance Initiative. ECI is a research and membership organization composed of institutions across every sector, each dedicated to promoting the highest levels of integrity in their operations. You can find out more about ECI at RainNetwork.com. 
Individuals and organizations turn to RAIN for risk intelligence that cuts through the hype to focus on what they need to know, what to expect, and what to do. Subscribe to RAIN's core membership and get our daily risk book digest, weekly intelligence briefs on cyber, geopolitical, and financial crime, access to knowledge-sharing webinars, and breaking alerts on important risk developments. Find out how RAIN can power your business to success at rainnetwork.com. That's R-A-N-E-Network.com. Thanks for listening.